All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Miss Sarah Myers, Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care. Uh, this show is pretty much going to be, I guess, a current events and a lot of your questions. Miss Sarah, how are you this morning? You know what? I'm going to be real honest. I do have it. had a bad week. Yeah. yeah. Do tell. Do tell. Well, um, the Danger Ranger that we talk about yeah. so very often decided to go to car heaven on car Monday. Car heaven. Yeah. It was really bad. It, Dang it. It started off about 4 o'clock in the morning, maybe 4.15, yeah. and it started squealing as it went out the driveway and, and made it... Oh, um, no almost to Fairgrove and then it started kicking and it started overheating and then Ryan got it to the side of the road and it died and it never Never started again again. yep so it's sad those are always so unexpected I know you know things are going along great listening to tunes or whatever and then all of a sudden you're like "Ooh, what was that that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Then you're on the side of the road. Darn it. I know. Well, thankfully, I was up. Ryan mm-hmm. leaves before I do wow. for work. So. You guys got quite the schedule. Yes. So uh, thankfully, I was able to go and rescue him from the side of the road. And everybody was really awesome. From Henry's. We used Henry's Excellent. for our towing. and Had it towed over to A1. And everybody's just been so patient and yeah. kind with us. We had to leave the Danger Ranger over there for a couple of days. And yeah. I know that that can be frustrating to just not know how to get it home so yeah. you guys were really great on that and well, thank you. everybody was just when we went walked in everybody just kind of <laughs> hung their heads <laughs> yeah. down low and we're like we have bad news yeah but it's a tough spot to yeah. be in for everybody it's not enjoyable for us at the shop either i uh i was i think in arkansas maybe that day so i wasn't around but you and i texted afterwards and um our technicians filled out the digital inspection so I looked at it before I came to see you this morning, so I was tuned up on what was going on with it. Um, that Ranger has been a, a workhorse for years and years and years for you guys. Um, how many did you guys ever deliver firewood in it? Or you know what, we have used that truck for probably anything and everything, really? and it's probably taken more of a beating than what it deserved. Yes, we did haul firewood in yeah. it. We've it's helped us move. Three different oh, that's times. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, man, it's hauled trailers and it's done a lot for its little size. Yeah. And it um, it's the same age as me and Ryan. It's oh, 25 years old. I didn't know that. We celebrate a birthday with it in 1996. Nice, yep. nice. So um, the, uh, the odometer had stopped working on mm-hmm. it, but I believe that when it had stopped eight years ago, wow. it was... I think around 190,000 miles yeah. on it. So we roughly estimated the minimum amount of mileage on that truck is 317,000. That's fantastic. <sighs> That's yeah. really a testament. I mean, honestly. And it it's is. honestly probably more than that. Yeah. And and this isn't highway miles either. I mean, I'm sure some of it is, but mm-hmm. this is work miles. Yes. Yeah, this was this was getting things done. And it's always a bummer. I've been in that position myself. You know, I drive things to many, many miles. 300 is always a nice, like, you know, achievement. Um, And then all of a sudden it kind of gives you a curveball. And then you got to decide. I know you and Ryan went through kind of what was going on. What's kind of your take with what the the end culprit was? Did, Did we do a decent job explaining that? Oh, yeah. You guys did fantastic. And it was really nice to be able to see those photos and videos, um, especially the videos for me, Mm -hmm. because I really didn't know much about the Ranger's makeup of it. Since it's the husband's truck, I don't ever really take it in. And I don't know it as well as my car. So it was nice to be able to see 
everything that you guys were explaining from hooking it up to, I don't know what machine it was. I told Ryan it looked like a little heartbeat monitor. And that's a great way to say it. And uh, if you don't mind, I think we got a few Oh, you're fine. Um, That is a digital oscilloscope is what it is. And I don't want to make it, but it basically is kind of the heartbeat of the, the truck. Um, or car, whatever the case may be. And what we're able to do, we had many pieces of equipment on that truck. But with that one, um, Darren did an awesome job. Darren's fantastic. I don't know if you got to visit with Darren. Yeah, he was really sad. Yeah, he he told me later he was about halfway through the checkout and he looked down and and saw your name on the, and he's like, is this the Sarah? And uh, I think David was like, yeah. He's like, "Mm." he was so sad. He's (laughs) like, I have bad news. But anyway, so what we look for on that digital oscilloscope, which was that kind of heartbeat pattern, is it should be uniform. And each peak is when it comes up on top dead compression. And it should be, you know, that one's a four cylinder. So four strokes, it all should be peaks even, even, even. And if there's any issues, we'll see it repeating in there. Well, you had two peaks that were missing. And basically that means that no compression or it didn't take a lot of electricity to push the piston up under compression. And I know I'm probably boring you and you're like, why are you telling me all this? But that's how we determine, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, whether this is a big deal or a small deal. And a lot of times it's small deals, but unfortunately in you guys' case, it was kind of a big deal so hopefully that maybe makes a little more sense of the heartbeat squiggly line yeah so i was super excited to see that so i was familiar with it even though i wasn't there so that helps even me out because i looked at the pictures and the video and all that stuff to be familiar with it and then uh you know gives you a good evaluation of the total condition of the truck and then you guys can make the decision from there so what is the, uh, has it sunk in yet? Are you guys making plans for what you're going to do with it now? Or Yeah, so we do want to keep it because yeah. that is, um, Ryan's only had two vehicles oh, wow. in his life. One of them was, I think, an 86 Chevy. Uh-huh. It was powder blue, and I think he had to end up getting rid of it because gas was $4 a gallon, oh, and yeah. I think it only got like eight miles to yeah. the gallon. And then he bought the Danger Ranger, and so that's been a huge part of his life. You know, yeah. Most people kind of get embarrassed, like, oh, I drove this truck since high school. But for him, that was like, I drove that the truck since high school. I met my wife. We yeah. got married. Yeah. It's it's been a big part of both of your lives at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. And and allowed you guys to do a lot of cool things. You know, I look at vehicles as far as like capabilities. You know, if you're if you haul things, that's part of it. If you work out of it, if your family gets bigger, what, you know, capabilities is this able to do? And that Danger Ranger was a pretty big deal for you guys for a long time and hopefully still will be. Um, you know, it can be resurrected. It, it, it's not too far gone, but at this point you guys have some other things going on. Um, and I think you're looking for a new vehicle. Is that right? Yeah, we definitely need something that can handle the outdoors, if you will, of living out in the country. We need something that's four wheel drive and we just need something that's newer, too. A little more elbow room would be nice. Oh, my you know? gosh, yes. <laughs> I've had a lot of what I consider micro trucks or, or quarter-ton trucks, and, you know, I'm a pretty good-sized fella. So if anybody sits next to you, it, you're pretty much, like, shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. Um, and that's cool, you know, especially when gas is $4 a gallon. You think about all the money you saved over the years and as high as fuel prices is, are getting now. 
and I don't think we've seen the the uh, the top side of that, unfortunately. So that thing's paid for itself and then some for probably many years for for everybody. But you're right, something newer, a little nicer. Um, got some more bells and whistles would be cool. It's amazing all the bells and whistles they put in cars, and they can create their own issues and and uh, own enjoyment as well. You know, I appreciate a good stereo system in a car. Some of the newer ones do a real good job with that without a ton of work. So have you guys started the the looking process as of yet? Yeah, actually, it's funny. I was telling you this before the mm-hmm. show. I think that we are getting some kickback because on Sunday, the day before yeah. the Danger Ranger died, uh, we had actually went to Marshfield and we had... Um, it was really nice outside, so we it was drove. Beautiful. Yeah, so we drove through uh, Don Vance, and we yep. drove through Marshfield Chevy, and we uh, took our time and just looked at all the the trucks, and we were you know dreaming, and then oh, yeah. boom, that happened. But yeah, yeah, we have been to several different dealerships around Springfield, and Ryan has landed on one vehicle that he really cool. likes. Good, good. Um, it's a potential, so we're taking the next steps, okay. and we're going to do a pre-purchase inspection. So what was it like with all the variety out there, well, or lack thereof? I know you said that their lots were fairly full. Um, was there anything you really liked, like, as far as, like, oh, those are super nice or cool? or? Um, well, yes, so... Yes and no. So I I really feel like there wasn't that mm-hmm. much out there really. Um I do like the new Ford Rangers. I know keep yep. it keep it in the family there. They are I like the size of them yep. though. They're not too big, they're not too little. I don't feel like we need like these giant trucks that have these great big rooms. Yeah. It's almost like a car oh. and then you have the truck bed yeah. on it, you know? Well, and and from somebody that drives one of those all the time, they're a bear to park. They're they're a lot more effort. Um, they're more capable because I, I work mine all the time. I mean, I run pretty much a mobile service truck. And uh, it it is awesome, but it's a whole different ball game. You don't just jump in it and we'll run down to the, the store and slide it in a parking place. You have to kind of watch and, and plan. Otherwise, other, you know, you'll bump and bang things around, and that ain't good for nobody. But you're right, those Rangers, that newer size truck or platform or chassis setup, uh, they're really nice to run around in. So if you found the right deal, did that, uh, did that appeal to Ryan at all? Or was he wanting a full size big truck? Yeah. He's wanting kind of a mid size truck. He doesn't want a great big truck just because we don't need that. And you got to feed it. Yeah. No kidding. That is a big deal. And fuel, unfortunately, so, do you remember when it was, uh, let's see, 96? So, you probably got in um, when fuel prices were four-ish dollars a gallon. Yeah, it was, I just started driving uh-huh. when that had happened. Oh, man. Yeah. Dang it, dang it. I have some thoughts and some things that we need to talk about, but we are going to step into a break and we'll get into the fuel discussion after this. Welcome back. You've got Miss Sarah Myers, Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, kind of giving you some current event stuff. Sarah was kind of sharing their uh, unexpected, I guess, struggles vehicle-wise, and that's always a tough spot to be, but, you know, we will do whatever we can to help you all out. Um, so we are going to be looking at some of the potential uh, candidates, I guess. Yep. You're going to be doing some pre-purchase inspections. That's very, very important. Um, if you look at some of our social media stuff, Ryan's been doing a good job putting some information out there. Do you know what Copart is? No. 
So Copar is a insurance uh, auction, and there's actually one just outside of Rogersville. They're across the country. And if you've ever had a vehicle totaled, um, when the insurance company come picks it up, they take it to this Copart auction. So what did you have? Was it an Avenger or was it Dart? Yeah. Your Dodge Dart. So Miss Sarah had a little fender bender, or I guess a big fender bender a few years back. When the insurance company decides, hey, a vehicle's totaled, they send it out to the insurance auction. And people get to buy it. Some of them are rebuildable. Some of them are fixable. Some of them buy them for parts, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, they send them out into the world. And I am a member of Copart. I can buy and purchase and whatnot. I really don't. I mainly did it just as an experiment to educate myself. But I'm telling you all this because uh, their uh, marketing in the last few weeks was all about Hurricane Ida and the flood vehicles that they're going to have at the insurance auction. So if it's an insurance claim and they take the vehicle as totaled, it goes to this auction. If it wasn't uh, claimed on insurance and it was still flooded and totaled out, a lot of times it'll go there, but it won't show up on Carfax that it was a flood vehicle. Oh. And I see this from time to time. I saw it. uh, I've been doing this professionally for almost 20 years now. And when we had uh, pretty much any hurricane, but obviously everybody remembers Katrina and you know, any of them in between there, um, we will do pre-purchase inspections or somebody will buy the vehicle and bring it in for problems they're having and we'll find out that it's a flood vehicle after they've purchased it. So with Copart, and I'm not saying anything bad about Copart. I think Copart's great. They do a good job. They're local here and they're they're out there across the country. But uh, my what got my attention is there's going to be flood vehicles coming onto the market. Hopefully, and there are certain things that you can use, you know, for parts and pieces. But for the most part, once a car's flooded and it gets into the electronics, uh, Sarah, have you ever dropped your phone and got it wet? Have mm-hmm. you had the pleasure of doing that? Yeah. Uh, in my experience, and you can tell me if yours is different, it kind of has this like decline as it slowly dies from the inside out. And I know that, you know, people, I've seen people put them in the oven to try and dry them out, bags rice. of rice. Yeah. Uh, but eventually the electronics just die on it over time. That's what happens to a car when it's flooded as well. It's the exact same thing. So you may buy a car. Hopefully uh, you don't. I don't. There's a lot of things. Um, I always think I can fix everything. Um, but flood cars, the electronics in them and the cost is just not worth it. So. Long-winded story is we are going to have some flood cars, uh, late model cars in our area. Um, Just be mindful as everybody looks out there and thinks about cars. Um, Unscrupulous dealers will buy them, uh, gussy them up, and put them on their lot and sell them for top dollar. And I've seen that over the years time and time and time again. So when I saw that email coming out, I'm like, man, we got to be careful and hopefully warn as many people as possible that you need a pre-purchase inspection done at a good trusted shop. doesn't got to be us. If you've got a good shop, uh, Sarah, you've had good shops in the past when you were a kid. I know uh, the gentleman that runs that place. He's a great technician. Uh, I don't care who it is, but you will be able to see basically a water line kind of like a house, but they can wash it on the outside and you won't necessarily see it. They can detail the inside of the car. You won't necessarily see it. But once we get it up on the rack and do our investigation, we work on so many cars. We know what they should look like. 
when you see uh, dirt, debris, silt in areas that aren't normal, you know that that's a flood car. So I know I probably just shared a bunch of gloom and doom as you're looking at buying a different car. Uh, I promise we'll look for this and make sure you don't get one of those. Um, but I wanted to share that with all you out there in the listening land. Um, as, as crazy as the car market is, you have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence. Um, because I don't want you stuck with anything like that. Would that be a bummer deal? Can you imagine? Yeah, no kidding. And I mean, vehicles are just so ridiculously expensive right now. I think it's definitely worth having it taken in and, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks doing a pre-purchase inspection versus spending $17,000 on a pre-owned vehicle and then boom, the engine light comes on as soon as you drive it off the lot. It's crazy. Uh, you know, and that happens, and I really hate it. You know, it's one thing when we can prevent you from getting it, um, and there is a window that you can return a vehicle to a dealership in the state of Missouri, but a lot of times it doesn't fall within that window, and it's a huge arbitration deal. It can hurt your credit, and God knows credit's a big deal in today's day and age. So, no, we're definitely not going to get you in one of those, but I want to make sure all everybody out there listening Uh, hopefully is at least aware of this because, you know, that's a big part of what we do as a company. You know, we talked about sharing the information. My main goal is as we kind of approach any problem, and we're in the problem business, people bring us their cars because they're giving us, giving you uh, fits or problems, is if you can understand the car the way we understand the car, then you're informed and you're part of that decision versus, well, I don't know, you know, what does that make any sense? You know, and you're that, that kind of unsure or not knowing part of it's really a tough spot to be in. And, uh, you know, the consequences are still the consequences. They still cost and it's an ugly, ugly deal. Um, the automotive industry as a whole, you know, everybody's a little skeptical of that. And that's why we do the show and kind of share what's going on with things. So what is, uh, as you kind of go through this uh miss sarah have you learned anything so far have you dealt with any good salesmen any mediocre or uh, rough salesmen have they been good customer service agents what are your thoughts there um yes and no we've dealt with some pretty nice ones and some not so nice ones so far i found out that while we were doing a pre-purchase inspection Mm -hmm. uh they can sell the vehicle out from underneath us especially if we don't have a down payment on it and that to me like I I guess I get it. Like mm-hmm. if it's on the website or somebody had test drove it a couple days ago and then made up their mind and said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. Yeah. But to me, if like if I'm going to take it to a shop mm-hmm. and have a pre-purchase inspection and I go and I pick it up from the dealership and I go and I pay for the pre-purchase inspection. Yeah. Obviously, I'm interested in it. Maybe there should be like a hold limit you would think, for that vehicle. I don't know. Just courtesy. Yeah. You know, I I would feel like a crumb if I, say, was the buyer and I went in, they didn't tell me somebody else was looking at it. I went ahead and paid for it. And you showed back up and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is pretty good. And they're like, oh, sorry, already sold. And, and, and I, unbeknownst, you know had purchased it out from under you because the dealership didn't conduct themselves in such a manner. I will tell you, not all dealers do that. Um, I've been in the business a long time. I know a lot of the car salesmen around the area. Um, There's some really good ones out there. Um, And there's some dealerships that have different uh, motivations, I guess. It's Mm -hmm. not all about the money. If you take care of the people, the money will take care of itself for the most part. 
So, you know, it, it, it'll work out for yeah, sure. We'll so. find something. Yeah. I'm not too terribly worried about it. You know, I've mentioned um, in the past that thankfully, if something did happen mm-hmm. to one of our vehicles, we do have a fleet here at yes. the station. Um, and Tom, who is our operations manager, he has been fantastic awesome. on letting me borrow a vehicle. He's teased me about it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I've got to drive one of our vehicles, which handles really nice. Yeah. And I actually like it. The other day, I kind of made a comment about SUVs. I'm not a big fan of them. Really? I am driving that an SUV, me. though, and I kind of like how it sets and yep. how it handles. So, you know, maybe it's coming around. Maybe Maybe I'm warming up. You know, the SUV market, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this or not, um, but Ford has almost done away with their passenger cars mm-hmm. altogether. I think they have like two or three. They kept the Ford Focus, which I don't know about that, and they kept the Mustang as cars. But all their other car line, they're discontinuing basically because the SUV market is so strong. They're basically pouring themselves into the truck and the SUV market, which is, I think, where everything's going. Yeah. Um, I enjoy getting in and out of an SUV a lot better than I do most cars. There are some cars that are comfortable, but I need headroom, legroom, shoulder room. You know, I got to have some room. They're not built for the tall guys. They are not. And so <laughs> when I go out and I work on somebody's car, everybody always, you know, laughs. It's like a bear in there, you know, that I'm, you know, cramped in there. But, you know, it is what it is and part of it. So... The technology's coming a long way. The fuel economy, I think that is going to be a big thing going forward. Um, so when I started driving, which would have been a few days ago now, gas was like between $1.20 and $1.30 a gallon. And so when you started driving, how much do you remember what it was the first time you had to pump gas? Oh, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it was like in the 3 to $4 range. Yeah. And... I never thought we would see it back to that point, but, uh, you know, in the last, uh, I would say roughly two years ago, we got into that $1.30, $1.20-something mark. It was really nice. It was awesome. And the fact that we're not there is a discussion for another day, but we do need to step into a break. We're going to talk about some kind of deposits and fuel economy when we come back after this, which affects all of us. All right, welcome back. Sarah, A1 Custom Car Care. Talking about a hot topic, at least for me. I know when you go to the fuel station, and it costs just as much to drive it at half or better than uh, at least a quarter tank as it does to drive it on E, by the way. Um, Keeping some fuel in your tank is very, very important, and I can elaborate on that in a minute. Um, But for the most part, when fuel prices go up, I see all these crazy add-on, you know, as seen on TV, things that will get you better fuel economy. And most of that stuff is completely bogus. And if not bogus, it actually takes away from the dependability and the fuel economy of your vehicle. So I've been through this before where fuel prices got well over $4 and knocked on the door of $5 here in the Midwest. I hope and pray that doesn't happen, but unfortunately, reality sometimes is uh, stranger than fiction, and I think it will be coming. So, what are we going to do about it? A, uh, we had a good question. I think it was maybe a week or two ago. Sarah, they were asking about additives, if if I remember right. Is that what the question yes. was? Valvoline was actually the brand that they were talking about. Um, do you run any additives, or have you ever done anything in your vehicles? Mm, very rarely. 
So most of it, and I'm sure you've seen it like the big box stores, they got like aisles of pour in, you know, everything that you can pour in. Most of that stuff that you're going to see at a big box store is, uh, it's junk. It's, I don't want to say snake oil, but it's not going to get you what, you don't get as much benefit out of it as what it costs. But one specifically one was, I think, Valvoline, which is VPS products is what it is. I went out to their world headquarters, I think it's been a couple years ago, which is in Lexington, Kentucky, here in the States. Um, they are very proud of their bourbon. Have you ever been out to Lexington? Mm-mm. So if you go anywhere, um, everybody talks about their bourbon, no matter where it is, which is kind of cool. They have whiskey barrels everywhere out there, which was still pretty cool. And they will give you a lesson on the difference between whiskey and uh, Kentucky bourbon everywhere you go. So it was kind of neat. We spent a couple days out there, and I met with a gentleman that is a tribologist, which studies. He's a scientist of basically how uh, metals interact with each other or uh, friction-bearing surfaces, uh, which is very important. And we talked a lot about fuels. There's a ton of you out there listening right now that drive gasoline direct-injected vehicles, which is basically a diesel common rail injection system. And they create a crazy amount of deposits. So what does that mean to all of you out there and why am I rambling on about it? The older vehicles, I'm going to say 2,000 and older, were pretty refined, really didn't have a lot of issues. They're just old at this point, which is why a lot of those are getting off the road. The newer vehicles, uh, to meet the fuel economy standards, went to a gasoline direct injection, which is a newer technology. We're very trained on it. Um, But deposits is a problem that they have where they build up uh, and create carbon in there, and it'll create misfires, poor fuel economy, poor performance, Um, and all that happens over time. So it degrades the longer you drive it. So while I was out there at Lexington at Valvoline's headquarters, I got to see them test other products and that they didn't work. Uh, some did, I'm not saying that you only got to be Valvoline, but for our, our listeners question is, is Valvoline's products goods? And I will say with authority, because I've seen it and they have shown it to me, they are very, very good. And the longer you drive a vehicle, the more the deposits build up, the harder they are to deal with. Some of them even require an extreme conditions where part of the engine must be disassembled to get the carbon off in order to fix a drivability problem. So it could be a long crank, could be a rough idle, could be a uh, long crank rough idle on cold start, um, could be a no start even if it gets to most of an extreme process. Uh, when we do a service with their chemicals, which we are a distributor of, by the way, um, we typically notice a increase in performance that the customer didn't realize they were losing because it happened over time. And we get it to burning all the fuel as efficiently as possible to give you as much fuel economy as that vehicle is able to be uh, capable of. So that was a little bit of a long-winded answer. Do you think I answered that for the the listener, Sarah? I think so. And if they have any questions, um, they can always shoot us a text message, 447-5743. Excellent, excellent. 
So what was the other one? The other one was a little bit more controversial, I guess. Yeah, so the other day we were talking about, um, oh shoot, uh, Jax. Yeah, the the recall for mm -hmm. GM. And somebody had asked you a question about Tesla Jax, and I looked them up and I was like, whoa, what in the world is that? I actually had to look it up as well. So everybody out there... In the internal combustion world, there's legislation that says, hey, the Right to Repair Act means you can work on your car. Uh, independent aftermarket shops such as us can work on it, et cetera, et cetera. Electric vehicles don't fall into that, so they don't have to give us information. And Tesla obviously is all electric, which I'm a fan of, by the way. I'm not talking about the new Green Deal or anything like that. I like new technology, and I think it's interesting. Am I going to say that everybody must have an all-electric vehicle and throw your internal combustion one away? No, of course not. I particularly myself love the sound of a V8 internal combustion engine with performance exhaust. That is just like my bread and butter right there. But I digress. Did you look at the the jack for the Tesla that they they talked about? Yeah, so it looked like it was like little hockey pucks it almost. Is. Yeah. And it had like a uh, like a protrusion or a uh piece that stuck out that actually engages in the bottom of the car. And so when I was doing my research on this, I very quickly understood what it was about. Um, there are YouTube videos out there talking about using hockey pucks. Um, you can buy them at Play It Again Sports was the video that I talked about. I don't recommend that. Don't do that. Um, but the bottom or the the undercarriage of the vehicle is the battery on a Tesla. I don't know how familiar. Have you done much with Tesla, Sarah? Mm-mm. So it's built into the structure of the vehicle. So... If you jack it up in the wrong place, you can fracture the battery, Uh which fractures part of the car, which is why this Tesla jack was so important when they brought this up in in discussion the other day. And that is a lift point, which all vehicles have lift points. We have that service information. Pick the vehicle up here. Um, Whenever you're a new driver or trying to change a tire, you need to know what approved lift points are, and they're made into the vehicles. But on the Tesla jack, basically... Um, It's an adapter that engages into the car and allows you to lift the vehicle from a specific point which does not break the battery. And if you break the battery, basically you throw most of the Tesla away in breaking that battery. So you don't want to work on it or do anything if you're not educated on it. And you don't want to take it to a shop that's not educated on it as well. So those pucks are basically just an adapter that allows you to lift them safely with a standard jack. Huh. That's cool. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, There are some good YouTube videos out there about it. Um, And again, like I said, with everything, take it with a grain of salt. Just because they're on uh, YouTube or you find it on the internet doesn't mean it's true. That's one of my favorite things to tell everybody. Uh, This is a little off topic, um, but have you seen the uh, people scratching Teslas? Have you heard anything about this? It's like this phenomenon. So Teslas monitor with cameras all the time everything around the car at Mm -hmm. all times, which is pretty neat. I mean, unless you're worried about Big Brother watching because they definitely are if you own a Tesla. Um, It also has audio around it, and it was actually a, a big news story. I don't remember what big branch put it out there, but they have a montage where for whatever reason people are taking aggression against Teslas. And they're in parking lots, and people are keying the crap out of them. They're targeting them. And they're getting plenty of video because people aren't educated and don't know that Tesla is watching. 
I think there's six cameras, if I remember. There's one on each side, front and back, and then a couple of blind spot cameras. Uh, but people, if you're in such and such store, and a lot of those were six, eight, ten thousand dollars worth of damage. Wow! And they don't even know you from Adam. It's just because it's a Tesla, and I'm sure they're you know <sighs> envious. I don't even know. I I don't. That part of my brain doesn't work. That is so mean. It is ridiculous. Have you ever had your car keyed before? I have not. I have. Really? And um. Let me tell you. So I used to go to this uh, pretty fancy university here uh-huh, in, in Springfield, uh-huh. um, and they had really small parking spots yeah. in certain parts of uh, certain areas. Right. And so anyways, you had to really make sure you were right in the middle. And even then you were still really close. Yeah. Well, anyways, this I I don't know even know who it was, but I came out one day and I'll have to show you sometime. Oh I've gosh. got a pretty good um, key. Like oh, a, this is your, your yeah my your my personal car, car. yeah Ooh. yeah so I've got a pretty good uh, little key mark. I don't know why people do stuff like just that. Just get in the car and just drive away. Yeah. it's not like I purposely like parked a little too close yeah. to you. People are crazy. I know they it's are. It's a shame. It truly, truly is a shame. But if you own a Tesla, you would have got a full video of the and audio, I believe, of the folks uh, vandalizing your property. Well, good on them. Yeah. I hope they find them. It is ridiculous. That is your property. You don't need anybody destroying that. No. I did see another video the other day, and I may have to get into this a little later, um, but it was a daytime video of three dudes stealing a catalytic converter off of a Prius. Is that not crazy? I'm going to explain that a little bit here in a minute. got just a little bit of time left uh we have had a lot of bad news as sarah was pointing out or maybe not so fun news and so let's just continue that so sarah i was looking at the news thing current events and uh it was at somebody's house i believe it was in california so it wasn't local here um but they had their prius in their driveway they had their security camera on um and three guys showed up one running a jack one with a cordless sawzall one was the lookout and the other had a cordless impact and in 90 seconds, you tell me this wasn't their first rodeo, they jacked up the car, they slid under there, cut the the converter, other ones slid under there, unbolted the converter, and in 90 seconds they were gone. Wow. And that's well over $1,000 worth of damage to repair that those folks' car for no reason. For literally, that car wasn't broken. There was nothing wrong with it. I hate having to repair those cars. I do it because we could do it typically more reasonable than the dealership. Um, but I, I literally, Monday morning when I showed up for work, that was one of my first repairs oh, was that. Oh, no. Ugh. So we do our very best to keep the cost down on it because that's not something I enjoy doing by any means. But uh, I understand people have to get their vehicles fixed. A lot of times the insurance company will cover it maybe in the beginning. But if you have a high-targeted vehicle such as Priuses, they will usually basically put a stop to it and say, hey, we've covered it for the last time. We will no longer insure this as damage. What makes a vehicle high-target? So on – I don't want to get too technical – but um, the higher emissions rating or the lower emissions rating, I guess, would be the better way to say it. So the newer the vehicles are, the government says, hey, you have to hit this standard. Well, then they move it and move it and move it. And so they were uh, LEV, which was a low emissions vehicle first. Then they were ULEV, which was ultra low emissions. Then they were zero emissions vehicles. And so as they get more stringent, they have to upgrade the catalyst 
um, metal that's in the catalytic converter. Well, that is platinum, rhodium, and palladium. Those are mined in two different mines in the world. So they're precious metals. And anybody that monitors the precious metal market, I'm kind of a nerd on that kind of stuff, um, knows that the price of those metals is very high. And so they're literally stealing those. And by the time you harvest the precious metals out of them, it probably would be about the size of maybe a quarter or half dollar in your hand. And they're getting a few hundred bucks for that, you know, that that Prius that we talked about earlier. I don't know what that would be, probably, you know, two, three hundred bucks, maybe. But for me to repair it and and repair the damage because they damage things when they steal them like that. You know, we're talking a thousand plus bucks every time that it happens to every customer, or, um, you know, uh, driver out there when it happens. So kind of a bummer deal. Um, so you need to monitor your car. If you have uh, like a, it would be a Prius. If you have many makes and models of Hondas, Toyotas, um, larger trucks are kind of a target that sit up off the ground. If you have a garage, I encourage you to park them inside the garage. If you are going to be somewhere that they're sitting for long periods of time, such as, you know, if you go to college and they know that, you know, these cars are going to be unattended for this amount of time, uh, any of our churches, hospitals where there's shift work, that kind of stuff, factories, uh, fleet vehicles, all that stuff, if you can um, not leave your vehicle sitting, I would recommend it or choose where you park it. You want to park it next to a high traffic area so somebody will notice somebody stealing it. Or if you have a garage, you should clean out the garage and park your car inside. And I assure you, it will make you a harder target than somebody that they can predict when you're not going to be around and then come in and steal your property. And then, you know, you have to deal or stuck with the consequences. So... That has been a little bit of gloom and doom today, haven't I? <laughs> it really has. It's just one of them deals. But it doesn't it doesn't help or my perception of it is if you bury your head in the sand and it still happens to you, it still costs you as much as if you're informed and maybe can prevent some of that stuff. So just because you didn't know things, you know, or they're unpleasant doesn't mean we shouldn't try and share that information out there with a lot of people. So uh as we go through, and I'm going to shift a little bit into maybe some maintenance. How about that, Sarah? Okay. we got a little time for that. Um, we're coming into winter. Winter is coming. And you're going to have to make sure your car's ready for that. And so we see certain things happen or change during this time. A, you find out whether your heater works or not because we haven't used it in months. So you want to find out now before it's freezing or your windshield's all fogged up. B, you want to make sure your antifreeze is in good shape. About every one or two years, I end up with a car towed in that has a crack in the block or has ruptured something due to the cooling system not being adequate enough and freezing. And typically what happens is you have some kind of an issue through the summer. Somebody puts water in there thinking, oh, I'll get to it later. And then later doesn't happen. And then the freezing happens. And then you have issues there. Uh, Tires. Tires is a big one. We uh, took care of some tires for you a few weeks ago, I think. Did you notice any difference? Could you feel any difference with it? Yeah, um, it sounded a little bit more um, off-roady, if you yep. will. I got all-weather or all-season tires. We beefed you up a little bit on the recommendation we made because you had changed from being in here in town. 
that you you have moved out to a more rural area, and I wanted a more capable tire. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you came in, we had a discussion about it. My service advisors and I kind of went through, and I said, you know, this is probably going to be a good option. Um, not that the other option wasn't good for what you needed then, but this is a more capable option. So as you hopefully, maybe we get some inclement weather this year or not. I don't know. Time will tell. But you will be more prepared with it now than you were even with new tires on it before. I feel a lot more safe and sound already. I love getting in a vehicle after it's had four new tires put on it. Mm -hmm. It just feels so much different. And I'm kind of a tire snob, if you will. It it just is a, it's a big thing to me because I can feel and experience the difference. So when you're in kind of tune with a vehicle and over time, your tires, you know, they just wear out. It's a wear item. Even if you drive a Tesla. You still got tires on there. You still got to rotate them. You still got to take care of them just because it's all electric vehicle. Doesn't mean you don't have some maintenance that needs to be done along with the rest of us that drive, you know, older vehicles. Um, when you get a new set of tires and a good alignment done, it just feels so much more responsive. And I absolutely love that. Um, as far as Tesla service and whatnot, you're pretty much tied to the Tesla dealership at this point i believe it will change and the aftermarket which would be us at a1 custom will be able to step up and handle some of that in the future but there are some things that need to change but until then the majority of us out there are still tied to a gas pump which i think is cool like i said i love an internal combustion v8 engine it's one of my favorite sounds ever Um, not just because we are a custom exhaust facility but i love the sound of a dual exhaust it just makes a difference. Does that matter to you at all, Sarah? No. No? You're just like, meh. <laughs> I'm just one of those people where I'm like, I want to go to point A, point B. Yeah. So do you enjoy classic or show cars at all? Does that, does that uh, you know, is that something you notice ever? Um, I enjoy watching them, when, especially whenever they're like cruising on the carning. cruising, yeah. We sat uh, sometime in the summer, it was a couple months ago, and we sat and got Andy's and oh. we watched them. Nice. And that was kind of fun. As for ever owning one i don't think i would just yeah. because of the upkeep that you there's have to a do. lot of upkeep you're exactly but we right. do have um some family members that actually own a couple of nice yeah classic cars there is a lot of upkeep on it and i think the did you notice kind of a surge in the cruising was there it seemed like there was a lot of people in there was quite a few yeah. yeah it kind of brought back you know my dad is from this area marshfield is actually where he spent a lot of his youth and cruising was like the highlight when he was a kid he talked about cruising carney and then of course they put the stop to that i'm not sure when but they repealed it here i think uh maybe a couple years back and especially with all the craziness going on cruising kind of got rejuvenated for people to get out of the house and so you got to see a lot of cool cool vehicles that you know maybe hasn't been seen in years because people were doing other things and uh, I'm taking notice of it more. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, that you know, they don't make cars like they used to. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. And I really take a lot of uh, enjoyment out of seeing some of those cars that I really don't think are that old. But, you know, the, the, the longer I look at it, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and some of the styling that they could do. Um, so if you were going to pick... What is your favorite car? I'm putting you on the spot here, just off the cuff. Do you have a favorite car? I I really don't. None at all. No. Nothing I'm, that like I'm not just a... like if I had all the money in the world, Sarah, you can buy this. I want something reliable. Reliable. That's your main <laughs> thing. And that's cool too. 
Uh, I I would own every car ever. I know you would. I, I really would. And, <laughs> and you'd still have some to, to work would. on, too. I, I truly would. Cars and trailers. I have a such an affinity for trailers. It's the weirdest thing ever. If Stacy and I are ever going anywhere and I'm rubbernecking, it's not over another girl. It's usually over a trailer because <laughs> I got a thing for trailers. But... Did we cover everything we were going to cover today? I think today? so. And I think that we kind of ended this on a positive I, I note. hope so. We're going to not be so gloom and doom yeah, next we, week. I tried to bring that up a little <laughs> bit. So, no, I definitely. Next week will be positive. Sure. Yes. So, if you guys out there have any questions or comments, doesn't matter how big or small, you can shoot us a text, 447-5743. You can also reach out to us on our Facebook page, 1041KSGF. Dustin, have a fantastic yes. weekend. You as well, Sarah. Bye. See ya.